Engaging sermons on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The desert and the parched land will exult. The steppe will rejoice and bloom. They will bloom with abundant flowers and rejoice with joyful song. The glory of Lebanon will be given to them, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the hands that are feeble. Make firm the knees that are weak. Say to those whose hearts are frightened, Be strong, fear not. Here is your God. He comes with vindication, with divine recompense, He comes to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, the ears of the deaf be cleared. Then will the lame leap like a stag, then the tongue of the mute will sing. Those whom the Lord has ransomed will return and enter Zion singing, crowned with everlasting joy. They will meet with joy and gladness. Sorrow and mourning will flee. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, come and save us. Lord, come and save us. The Lord God keeps faith forever, secures justice for the oppressed, gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets captives free. Lord, come and save us. The Lord gives sight to the blind, The Lord raises up those who were bowed down. The Lord loves the just. The Lord protects strangers. Lord, come and save us. The father listened the widow he sustains, but the way of the wicked he thwarts. The Lord shall reign forever. Your God, O Zion, through all generations. Lord, come and save us. A reading from the letter of St. James. Be patient, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You too must be patient. Make your hearts firm, because the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not complain, brothers and sisters, about one another, that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing before the gates. Take as an example of hardship and patience, brothers and sisters, the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. 
A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. When John the Baptist heard in prison of the works of the Christ, he sent his disciples to Jesus with this question, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? Jesus said to them in reply, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. And Blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. As they were going off, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out to the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? Then what did you go out to see? Someone dressed in fine clothing? Those who wear fine clothing are in royal palaces. Then why did you go out? To see a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way before you. Amen, I say to you, among those born of women, there has been none greater than John the Baptist, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. This is a Sunday for joy. We see the rose-color candle, the third candle on the Advent wreath, lit up today. Joy is the theme. As you just heard in these readings, joy is a fundamental theme of our faith, of the message of the gospel, and indeed a key, a fruit of the Spirit, and a centerpiece, really, of Christian spirituality. The Christian is joyful. Why? Not because things always go our way. Not because we have a God who says, if you're good, nothing bad will happen to you. Or if you keep the commandments, you will be rich and prosperous. That's not the gospel. We are filled with joy because of what Christ has done for us, objectively, historically. He gave himself for us, and as Paul says, if the Father gave his own Son for us, how can he not give us everything else besides? If God is for us, who can be against us? Look at what he did. He came. He didn't have to come. First of all, he didn't have to create us to begin with. God would have been perfectly happy for all eternity if he had never created us. So the very fact that he made us, we should be joyful. We are joyful. Because our life itself, our existence, is the constant result of the pouring out of his love. And in this we rejoice because it's totally undeserved. We didn't even ask for it. And yet he gave it to us, and he continues to give it to us every day. But not just that, what he did for us, in dying for us, in rescuing us from the kingdom of darkness, transferring us into the kingdom of light, adopting us, giving us a share in his nature, adopting us 
as his sons and daughters. So the joy that a Christian has is because of the possession of something that we know we cannot lose. Of course, we can throw it away. We do that by sin. But we can't lose it anymore. You can't lose access to God. You cut yourself off by sin, that's another story. But God has given it to us irrevocably. He's not going to take away the offer of mercy. He's not going to take away the saving death and resurrection of Christ. He's not going to take away your adoption as sons and daughters of the king. He's not going to take away the fact that you right now, you and I, are sharing a life that survives even death. We are on the path to resurrection from the dead, physical resurrection. God is in us. God is among us. The kingdom of God has broken into the world. In Christ, we have victory over death, over sin, over injustice, over oppression, over abortion, over every evil. We have it. The power of evil has been broken in Jesus Christ, the King of the universe. This brings us joy. It's not the same as that cluster of emotions that we associate with joy. Those emotions can be a result of these spiritual realities that I'm talking about and of our appreciation by faith in these spiritual realities. But it doesn't always follow because other things might be playing with our feelings or playing with our mind. We might not feel, we will not feel the same every day of our Christian journey, every year on Rejoice Sunday, every time we read the scriptures talking about joy. It's not something that that should bother us if we don't feel it the way we would describe as joy. It's something we have deeper in the soul. It's a, it's a fundamental stance that we have to nurture. It, it, we have to nurture it by, by, by virtue. And we decide to rejoice. And this is an aspect of it that I want to point out to you here. To rejoice is not a result of things going well for us. It is fundamentally a result, like I already said, of the things God has done for us. But friends, it's a command. Think about this for a moment. To rejoice in the Lord is a command. Rejoice in the Lord always, Paul says. I say it again, rejoice. It's a command, a biblical command. And we have to think about this because you can't command the emotions. So we don't have a command here to feel a certain way. We have a command to do something in our soul and in our heart and in our mind. And what is it? It is to acknowledge the things that God has done for us and in fact to exult in spirit. To lift up our hearts. We say it in every Mass, don't we? In the preface. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. What does that mean? 
We cast upon him literally every concern, anxiety, sadness. Paul says it another way when he says, dismiss all anxiety from your minds. He doesn't say wait for the anxiety to pass. He says dismiss it. You're in charge. You command the anxiety to go. And so we command sorrow to go. Again, not on the, the, the emotions will follow afterwards. This is a matter of the will. This is a decision. It's a spiritual decision. It's an act of worship, actually. To rejoice in the Lord is an act of worship. We turn to God and we say, hallelujah, Lord, things are good. We, we acknowledge with our mind, Lord, things are great. You are with me. I am not going to doubt that. We cast doubt away. That's part of rejoicing. Lord, things are great because you are with me. You are in the midst of all the brokenness, all the sorrow, the disease, the problems. Uh, you're here, Lord. You're right here in the midst of it. Some people say, well, where is God? And they let sadness take over or discouragement take over because they say, where is God in the midst of all these problems? Well, if you were there on Good Friday... And the apostles had scattered and Judas had betrayed Jesus and the Pilate had handed him over to those who crucified him and he was hanging on the cross between two thieves. And you ask at that moment, where is God? Where is God in the midst of this distress? Where is God in the midst of this tragedy? Where is God in the midst of this apparent triumph of his enemies? The answer would be, he's right there. And he right there is saving the world. He right there is giving you eternal life. He right there is destroying the power of sin. He right there is conquering death. He right there is accomplishing good Friday. It's a command to rejoice. The Friday on which the greatest sin was ever committed, the killing of God, the triumph of the enemies of Jesus, the point at which they were exalting the most, is called good. How is this? The thinking that we have to do based on faith turns the attitudes of the world upside down. And this is what I want to urge you to today. It is a challenge to rejoice. God gives us the command to rejoice. It's a challenge. And we need to accept that challenge today. Because, brothers and sisters, because of our broken humanity, the tendency of our human mind and heart and body and emotions is to go towards the sadness, the discouragement, is to go towards sorrow. And we, in the midst of this Advent season, in the midst of these readings and prophecies and promises about the coming of the Lord are commanded not to let that sorrow and discouragement prevail. We are commanded to tell it to flee. We are commanded to dismiss anxiety, to rise up from sorrow. That doesn't mean, by the way, that there isn't a place for sorrow and mourning, because Jesus also says, blessed are they who mourn. In other words, we mourn over the evils of the world. We mourn over the, the evils of our own sinfulness, of course. And, and, and to feel sorrow 
is very, very appropriate, especially, for example, if we lose a, a loved one or we lose a friend. Uh, the, 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 the sorrow that we have is appropriate simply because it's an outgrowth of love. You can have sorrow and joy at the same time because, again, the rejoicing is a command and we're saying to the Lord, Lord, things really are in your hands. Things really are great. I can be at peace even while I walk through this darkness, this sorrow, this distress. I'm just not going to let it prevail. I'm not going to let the thought enter my mind that, you know what, things are inevitably going downhill. What kind of a thought is that? Things aren't going to get better. What kind of a thought of that is that for a Christian who believes that God has given us His only Son? How can He not give us everything else besides? That God has given us a Savior who said, Whatsoever you pray for in my name, I will grant you. Now, we know that He doesn't answer our prayers like it's a laundry list or we're you know, going to the, to the vending machine and we get exactly what we want every time we pray for it. That's not what He means. He means, as Paul says to the Romans, everything works together for the good of those who have been called according to God's plan. Everything. Yes, it's appropriate to feel sorrow if disaster happens to us. But brothers and sisters, at that moment, and at every other moment, we are to obey the command and accept the challenge of joy to look, even in that instance, like on Good Friday, looking at Christ on the cross and being able to say, now it is good. Evil is being conquered. Now I have this sorrow. Now I am able to come even closer to God because I'm able to grow in holiness right now. I'm able to realize right now more than ever before that, you know what? God is all I need. So I lose something. House burns down. I lose all my possessions. Somebody steals something from me. We have every right to get it back. We have every right to use the provisions of the law to see that those who injure us are brought to proper punishment. But brothers and sisters, at that moment, even then we are called to rejoice. Because what do those things do to us but help us realize in God alone be at rest my soul. He only is my help, my fortress, my stronghold, my salvation. Everything that happens to us helps to make us a saint if we let it. If we let it. It came upon a midnight clear, one of my favorite Christmas hymns. That glorious song of old from angels bending near the earth to touch their harps of gold. Peace on the earth, goodwill to men from heaven's all-gracious King. The world in solemn stillness lay to hear the angels sing. Sing what? What's the Christmas message? Behold, I announce to you tidings of great joy. Because later in that hymn, here are the words we read. And I want you to take this now as the challenge of joy, the command of joy. Listen to the, the familiar Christmas hymn. All ye beneath life's crushing load whose forms are bending low, who toil along the climbing way with painful steps and slow. Look now, for glad and golden hours come swiftly on the wing. 
Oh, rest beside the weary road and hear the angels sing. Our forms are bending low. There are struggles in our lives. There is evil in the world. There are problems that we have. We, as individuals, as families, as a church, as a nation, as a world. Painful steps and slow. This comes in all different forms and sizes and shapes, doesn't it? We try each day to make progress. But it's painful and it's slow. And for many, these words are literally true. To walk is painful and slow. But then it says, look and listen and hear. Glad and golden hours are coming. Listen and hear the angels sing. That's why we have Rejoice Sunday. That's why we have this this rose candle. That's why we have all these candles. That's why we have our faith. We have to listen. The challenge of joy. Listen beyond what your feelings are telling you. Beyond even what your experience is telling you. Beyond what the statistics are telling you. Beyond what the news is telling you. Beyond what you tell yourself in dark and weak moments. Listen and hear the angels sing. This is not make-believe. We have a real Savior who has accomplished a real salvation and united us with a real God who has really adopted us and given us a share in His eternal life. Oh, rest today. Rest right now. Beside the weary road and hear the Christmas angels sing. Happy Rejoice Sunday to all of you. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.